been given a phenomenal opportunity to travel the nation. As you know, uh, Pat Robertson is blessing the nation. There are five 18-wheeler truck and trailers that every day of the week, with except of Saturday and Sunday, they go, to, they go to outlets like Kmart, Walmart, Target, and these outlets give them thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of goods, Some, sometimes diapers, sometimes formula, sometimes toilet paper, sometimes. But they, and then Pat Robertson takes those five trucks and redistributes them throughout the nation. And, and Keith has been one of those drivers. And uh, before they hired Keith, I received three phone calls, Keith. I received three phone calls from Pat Robertson's staff Want to know, first of all, does Keith attend church? Is Keith a tither? Does Keith love the Lord? I mean, how cool is that? And I was able to answer, absolutely, he's a great asset, be a great asset uh, to your ministry. They've been on conference calls. They've raised up their own war room. Keith, come and just to just come tell the church body what you shared with me yesterday. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise there? Out of this house, we're touching the nation. We're, we're literally touching the nation. Al, it's good to see you again, buddy. Folks, I this goes back seven or eight months ago. I would say probably beginning of the summer. And uh, you've heard the story of Operation Blessing and the story I've, I've shared several times. But there's been a place, and I think this is, goes along with Celebrate Recovery for myself, uh, where God has said, I'm not satisfied at the place you're at. And I said, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm hired. Pastor gave me a good recommendation to go along with this company. And he says, but where are you self in yourself? He says, there is levels that he can take you to. He wants to take you to. That you have to continue to move forward with him because at the beginning of your life the word of God says that God formed you in your mother's womb and before there there was a light and in that light there was a manuscript and in that manuscript was all the things that he wanted you to be and the purpose in his mission of your life and when it's us, through travel of time, that get out of sort of that journey. So I said, Lord, what you want? He said, go deeper. Don't settle. Go deeper. And I asked him, I said, if you're going to take me deeper, show me the way. So he began this process. Semi-drivers having... And we're, I, he's not here right now. Um, he left. But in semi-driving, you have a lot of time to reflect, a lot of time to think. If you drove any length of time, you have a lot of time to think. And we spent a lot of time in conversations with everybody that we can get a hold of on the phone. From the time we get started, after we've done our devotions through ourselves and listened to music and praise God, we start conversations, and those conversations will get into everything in our lives and a lot about the government and a lot about the Atlanta traffic 
and uh, and a lot about people cutting you off and doing things to you and about DOT on your watching you at every move and everything else that goes on. And Lord spoke to several of us because we go on conference calls and says, what are you doing about it? Where are you going with it? You completely complain all the time about it. <laughs> but what are you doing about it? And a new driver came in. We started, we all got on a conference call, started praying for this man that God would enrich his life, God would touch his life, that he would see the purpose of what he's doing behind that wheel, that he won't get caught up of all the secular jobs he's had. This is a mission that he's got you on. And in that mission, you're going to see things that you've never seen before. You're going to touch lives that you've never touched before. And you're going to see a purpose in your life. And the man said he was um, stunned that we would take the time, not sit here and talk to him, but pray for him, for blessings, for guidance and directions, for safety. And finally, out of that, we realized a purpose. We realized the question, what are you doing about it? We began this, what he mentioned all ago, the war room. It's inspired by the movie. And every two times a week, we get together on a conference call that OB provides for us, and we start praying. We're driving down the road, scattered. There are 14 of us and, and uh, that are scattered all over this country, 80,000-pound trucks running all over the place, filled with the Holy Spirit. You start hearing laughter. You start hearing singing. You start going, because the Holy Spirit doesn't matter if it's in a room. It's a matter of where you're at and who you're with and who is inside. And I remember the story of Paul, and I was sharing the pastor yesterday. Paul journey in Acts 27, talking about him, had a purpose. He was going to have to be on this ship. He's already been told the ship was going to be lost. Everything going to be thrown away, but his life was going to be saved. In the midst of that storm, on the journey, and the pastor shared some other things that was amazing about that story. But Paul was saved, but the captain began to throw things overboard and then started disconnecting rigging off of that boat that was tying that boat down and weighing that boat down in the midst of that storm. Where was Paul? Him and Luke and some other friends were in the bottom of the boat praying. So they cast in all this stuff. And we held on for three days on this ship. And then the third day, they finally came to Paul and asked him to pray. And Paul began to pray, him and Luke and all, and God kept on saying, everything's going to be lost, but the souls aboard will make it to shore. The story goes the way it hits me is that we're on this journey. And this life and this flesh that we live in is on a timeline. The spirit that who we are is live eternally. So this journey and this flesh 
there is a end. And this journey is to find the purpose of what we're supposed to be from the creation of the manuscript written at the beginning. Out of this prayer room, we have seen a driver's wife with diabetes, points skyrocket, leave home, leave the hospital, everything perfect. Not even on medication anymore. Another driver, brother-in-law with knee surgery, walked out, no pain, walking in, in a few days, hasn't had any issues again. Out of this prayer room, we have seen a driver who got caught up in West Virginia with his organs completely shutting down. We went on a prayer room, immediate emergency call, went out, had seven or eight people prayed. Next day, he's gone, no issues again. Back to work. Another man, uh, one of our dispatchers, started having issues, got thrown in the hospital, called, they were calling him gone, calling the family in. Same type of issues. Problems were all in his body. Found a tumor connected to his kidney. Released from the hospital the first time, went home back to work. Two, two, about a week later, was sent to the hospital, removed the tumor, found a bread-sized size tumor connected to his kidney. They tested the tumor. It had level 3 cancer in it. All the skin cells around it, zero. He is back to work. Two days after surgery, he's back to work. We just had one, a driver, who's now possibly going to have to be retired because of DO2 rules. He had a mini stroke. Immediately on the phone, praying, released the next day. Can't find any signs of the mini stroke. Because he was diagnosed when he went into the hospital, DOT won't allow him to go back to work for a year. He found now that that was a purpose because now he's was at the age of retiring, trying to figure out how to retire. And this stepped him into another ministry. He's now working for Assembly of God Association in ministry and evangelists, and he stepped right into that. This just happened a week ago. And so many others that just because we found it in ourselves to do something and didn't allow us to sit still and just go on. You got to get where God wants you to be. Uh, Angels mentioned about this last week, and guys, it's just a, a place that God wants to take you, and don't settle for just where you're at. Step on deeper. Whoa, <laughs> uh, that's where it went. Um, this past week. When you step into God, expect temptation. James says that where I take you, there's always going to be trials. This church just went went through one for a purpose. This week, I was on Wednesday. Y'all remember the rainstorm that came through? I was in sulfur and scales. I was overweight on my drive, and they DOT required me to walk to the ramp over the interstate over to the other side because I didn't have a 
scale house on both sides, so I'm walking in this monsoon over to the other side. That attack, very next day, somebody tried to cut inside me, and <laughs> I nailed his uh, front of his truck to my trailer. Had to go through that part. And then I was south Georgia a few weeks ago and, and tried to avoid an accident, ended up getting fined for it. And But even with the storms, you have to be like Paul. You have to continue to pray. And these guys call me up and say, because that prayer time, <laughs> during that prayer time, they can tell if you're rejoicing or if you're just have punching, trying to punch through. And we all go through those times when we're just trying to punch through and say, Lord, just get me through this. And at the end, you rejoice. But those things will come intact because any time you ask to go deeper, you can expect the enemy doesn't like it. He's only out to kill and destroy, and his answer to everything that goes on is just to destroy you, to keep you out of God's purpose. And if you don't find that in your heart, that you can turn it back, turn it around by through prayer, you'll never find that purpose in your life. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation? My message this morning is, is very brief. Uh, wanted to uh, bring us up to speed where we are. We were, we're looking, obviously, in January, new year, new things happening, new goals, new uh, new ideas. And I just felt impressed, first of all, to find my glasses. I just felt impressed that the first or second week of January to bring eight things to your attention that we can work on, that we can pursue, that we can analyze, speculate, I believe it's important to constantly stay in the Word of God. I don't know that anybody has ever arrived. Billy Graham, they asked Billy Graham, what would you do different? He said, I'd pray more. He said, I, I would pray more. What, a, what, a, what an incredible statement. But the eight, the eight truths that we have left with you the past four or five weeks, have the first truth that we've left with you is that it's important to keep your vision in front of you. Keep your vision in front of you. It might be a little vision. It might be a great vision. But still, it's a vision, and it might be it might be a vision just as simple as uh, I want to quit smoking, or a vision as I want to I want to pray more, or a vision as I want to be a teacher. I want to wh whatever that vision is, keep it, write it down, post it where you can see it, remind you constantly. The second thing we talked about is run your race. David told Saul, "I can't I can't kill Goliath with your armor. I've got to use my armor." You run your race. You go the direction God has called you to go. And do what God has called you to do. Thirdly, to expect good things. He is a giver of good things, and he re rewards those that search for him. F without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that his, he is a reward of them that diligently. What a powerful word, that, that diligence there. Uh, fourth, have a positive mindset. We might visit a little bit on that today. Uh, you've learned the difference between Mr. Can and Mr. Kent, two frogs fell in an urn full of milk. One frog went to the bottom and drowned. The second frog just kept swimming, kept swimming, kept swimming. And eventually he churned the milk into butter, and he jumped out of the urn uh, to live another day. So staying positive, committing to excellence. And that does not mean there's, there's, some, there's some people that are so 
Everything's got to be so perfect. They're, they're called something. Perfectionist, yeah, that, that works out. They're so perfect, they won't try anything because they feel like they can't make it absolutely perfect. You make the effort, God will bless the effort. Keep growing, keep growing, keep reading, keep praying, keep seeking, keep pursuing. Uh, serving others, being that minister that God's called us to be, especially in the area of encouragement. And stay passionate to the call that God has placed in your heart and placed in your spirit. If you'll go with me this morning to, I'm going to go right to uh, the thought that I have for you, and it's found in the book of Judges. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let's go 2 Kings, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, uh, 6th chapter. And I want to share just a couple of verses here, if I may. Keith said, you gotta, you got to find out what you're supposed to be doing. you got to pursue that purpose. you got to be what God has called you to be. I'll share with you, you don't want to miss heaven. That's our goal. That's our purpose. That's our plan. Where we are right now in this story, Elijah, a great prophet, called down uh, rain from heaven, and God honored him, powerful, incredible man of God. He anoints Elisha. Elisha follows him. Elisha sees him taken into heaven. Elisha receives a double portion of, uh, he asked God for a double portion of what Elijah had. And if you'll do your math, Elisha did exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah, but one short, Al. It was, it was one short. And what was so crazy, later in life, he dies, they bury him, and a young man falls and dies, and they lay the young man on the bones of Elisha, and the young man comes back to life. So exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah. But here's what happens when you're where you're supposed to be, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're perceiving, pursuing what God's called you to pursue. 6 verse 1, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. That word straight means small. It's too small. We cannot contain what God is doing. There's not enough room enough to be what God wants us to be, to do what God wants us to do. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. The, the, the truth that I want to bring to your attention today is that everyone in this building, without exception, has a beam. A beam, what's a beam? It's something that you provide to provide construction. It's something that you touch. It's something that you're involved in. It's something that you're familiar with. It might be a gift. It might be an offering. It might be ser servitude somewhere. Every one of you have a gift. And when we come to the house of God, we're supposed to bring three gifts with us. The first thing we're supposed to bring is a song. Every one of us have a song. Aren't you glad this morning that you have a song of praise that God has put in your heart and has put in your spirit and life evolves around music and the power of music and the power of the song? The second thing that God gives every one of you today is a testimony. Every single one of you, God has taken from taking you from something and placed you where you are right now. He may not be done with you, but you have a testimony. The third thing is an offering. The Bible says we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Sometimes when you offer to God a, a praise, you don't feel like praising. Maybe, maybe you got a bad report on your transmission. Maybe you got a bad report from your landlord. Maybe you got a bad report from your employer. But, but you come to the house of God. You don't feel all that great, but you for, you literally force yourself to bring an offering of praise, an offering of, an offering of money, an offering of alms, whatever. So when we come to the house of God on Sunday morning, 
every one of us should have a song. Every one of us should have a testimony. And everyone should have an offering. And that's that beam that you contribute. One man does not do everything. When they came to Elisha, they said, hey, where we're at is too small. Well, you'd like to just blow out where you're at right now and grow into a, a bigger place, a better place, a more favorable place. Any, anybody with me in, in the house? I don't want to be limited where I'm at. Uh, most of you know that uh, I have a, uh, I'm fascinated with saltwater, saltwater aquariums, saltwater reefs. I'm, I'm just fascinated. I've snorkeled in Hawaii, snorkeled in, in Florida, got to examine the, the reef in, 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 in the natural. But something you'll learn about a fish tank, depending upon the size of the tank, depending on, depends on the growth of the fish. If you put a fish in a real small tank, he's not going to grow. We have, a, we have a snowflake eel. He was the size of a pencil when we got him, and we put him in a tank that's 125 gallons. He now is almost 24 inches long. It's crazy how he has grown. We have a Niger trigger that when I put him in there, he may have been about the size of a silver dollar. Now he's the size of my hand because he's in a tank where he can grow. At the house, I have a 35-gallon tank where I put a, a, a snowflake in there about the size of a pencil, and he's still the size of a pencil because he's limited on the environment. But God has called the New Testament church to step out into areas of miracles, declaration, proclamation, expectation. We are to expect when we pray. We're supposed to expect when we're involved, the part of God. And the bigger the area that we occupy, the more we can grow. Am I making sense to anybody in the house today? And so every one of you, when you come to the house of God, the house of God is not complete without you. The body of Christ is not complete without you. You are a part of the body. And if you are the hand, the, the body cannot survive effectively with just one hand. If you're, if you're, maybe, maybe you're an ear, and if you're not where you're supposed to be, the body of Christ is, is, is dysfunctional. Maybe you're, maybe you're just a pinky. Maybe that's all you are is a pinky. But whatever you are in the body of Christ, you are important to this body. And this body cannot do, will not do what we're called to do if everyone is not in their place. Well, it's quiet. So when you, come, when you come to the house of God, it's like, I have something to contribute to this moment. Whether it's corporate praise, whether it's a testimony, you know, before church, after church, people love testimony. They love to be encouraged. They love to know that you have been where they're at, and now you're at another place. Keith said it so well, new levels. We come to a place in life where we're saved, sanctified, and filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost. Josh, does that sound familiar? That's that old Pentecostal testimony. But I believe God has more for us than just being saved, sanctified, and filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost. I believe that we are life changers, problem solvers, and God raises those things up. And usually what we overcome, God uses us to help others overcome. Can I get a hand clap of appreciation to the power and the blood of Jesus? Which takes me to where I want to go this morning. And I promise you, may I have just 10 minutes? If you give me 10 minutes, I believe that I can share this. As we have stepped into 2016, you realize that God in heaven smiles as we always come up with a, a slogan or a bumper sticker or something in the church world that rhymes with whatever year we're in. I remember heaven can wait in 2008, give us more in 2004. There's not a whole lot of things that rhyme with 
16. So it's kind of tough for us to take a to take a, a, a slogan and let it rhyme with 2016. Okay? Revelation, you are not living in 2016. You're living in 5,776. From the very beginning of when uh, Adam and Eve, make sure you get my notes here in front of me. Here it is. 5,776 years ago, God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden. Almost 6,000 years ago. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years a day. A thousand years later, after Adam and Eve, Noah builds an ark to the saving of the world. A thousand years later, we see God speaks to a man called Abraham, and Abraham begins to raise up that nation that God calls the Jewish nation, the nation that God has chosen. In the year 2000, which was 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross and purchased for us our salvation, our redemption, our inheritance. We now are two days later, 2,000 years later, waiting for this week to end because the Bible talks about the millennium, us ruling and reigning with Christ for 1,000 years, and that's the seventh day. So what are you saying, Pastor Hank? I'm saying that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. Jesus Christ could return to make that final that's 6,000, and we spend 1,000 years with God. Does that excite anybody in the house today? And as we look at that particular truth, which is, which is powerful, there are people in numerology. There was a book written, 88 Reasons for the Rapture in 1988. How many remember that book? And uh, he sold a lot of copies. I don't know if he gave people's money back when it didn't come to pass, but everybody's always tried to say, well, the Lord's going to come back this day, or the Lord's going to come back this day. The Lord knows exactly when he's going to come back. God's going to tell him to go get his church, and that's when he's coming. And we are to work as if it's tomorrow. Hello. We're, we're supposed to have an attitude of he can come any moment. I need to lead as many to the Lord as I can and get them involved. And what I've learned, if you'll make the connection, God will bless the connection. Oh, when, Al, when I asked Al, I said, what do you want to do? He said, I, w I want to go to that restaurant you took me last time and get that gravy. I said, and I had to mentally, I wasn't sure. You know the one AC took us to? Oh, the rebel, yes. Well, I am, not a, I am not a rebel fan. That's not really my idea of fine food. But anyway, because Al was buying, we took him to the rebel. And when we were there eating, we, we met a, a waitress, and, and again, she asked me if I was a priest or a missionary or whatever. And we got a chance to minister to her. Then we invited her to the service Wednesday night, and Al left a $20 tip. And you know what? I... I believe the day has come when Christians need to stop shortchanging waitresses, hello, and bless them and honor them. Pastor Ronald will tell you there are three restaurants at one time. When we went to that restaurant, waitresses fought over us. They, am I telling the truth? They literally would, they would negotiate us and manipulate us to their section, their table, because they knew that we were going to leave a good tip. I remember Matt Decker and I were somewhere going, going we were getting ready to do something, and we were at a, uh, we were at O'Charlie's, and for some reason, this has only happened once in my life. The Lord told me to give her a hundred dollar bill right there in the restaurant. She broke down crying. She had two kids starting school the next day. She had no school clothes. She had no supplies. 
and then tomorrow was the day they had to go to school. God will finance your emergency before you have an emergency. Wednesday night, someone sowed a significant amount of money into the church, had that money. And, yes, we would like to use it for other stuff. We would like to, there's some things we wanted, wanted to do. But that money took care of the hundreds of dollars we had to spend Thursday and Friday. And God, God knew that. God knew that emergency was coming. And before you even have an emergency, God will finance it and God will bless you. Is he not a great God? Is he not an incredible God? And as, as, we, as we step into this brand new season, every one of us having a part, doing what God has called us to do, I need to bring attention to it. You don't have to turn there. If, you, if you'll just take my word for it, uh, I want, want to share a couple of scriptures with you. In where we're at right now, if everybody will say six, 5,776, we are in the number six. The number six in the Hebrew is the word vat, vat. And I found in the page of God's Word, study, tapes, cassettes, CDs, I found this word is used in a very interesting, phenomenal way. In the first book of the Bible, in the first chapter, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And that word bought is used there for create. And it actually has the, it actually has the, trans, the, uh, the interpretation of being a, the best way I know to explain it, is to bring attention to a shower curtain. And you have the rod, and then you have a clip that clips on the curtain and attaches it to the, to the, to the pole. God is the pole, that's heaven. The earth is the curtain, and there's a divine connection between heaven and earth. Well, God brought heaven down so that earth could see God's glory, God's favor, God's blessing, and that's called a bot. It is a divine connection. How interesting the year six as we study it, but means divine connection. How many would like to see some connections take place this year that you've never taken place before? Wednesday night, uh, uh, Mike was here and, and obviously Mike has been around the block and has wined and dined with presidents and is a Betty Ford, hangs out with Steve Tyler, Robert Williams before he passed away. But the question was asked, Mike, when, when God spoke to you and you felt that wind and that, and that lake there at Betty Ford and you felt that wind, had you ever experienced that feeling before through LSD, through alcohol, through pills, through marijuana? He said, absolutely not. And I asked him, I said, since then, have you felt that divine moment of God moving in your life? And if you remember what he said, every day. Every day there is a connection. Every day there's a divine touch. David said, early in the morning will I cry. Different ones in different parts of the Bible have told us how to connect with God because if you make the effort, Lemon Miller taught us, if you make the effort, God will bless that effort. And what you might be doing, you might think it's so simple and just so normal, but God takes the normal and makes it abnormal. God takes the, the impossible and makes it possible. That's the way he operates. That's the way he flows. And how ironic, six is also the number of man. So we got the number of man attached to the number of God. We have a divine connection for 2016 because we're not living in 2016. We're living in 57, 76, and God wants to make a divine connection in your life. And it's not just uh, uh, there was a little boy that every night his, his mom would take him in the bathroom, and she got that wash rag, and she would wash his face and his neck and his ears, and, and she would scrub him, and he hated it. He hated it. Every night she would, she would just scrub him down. And so one night they get ready to go to bed, 
and she gets ready to head towards the bathroom. She said, he said, Mom, tonight couldn't you just dust me off? And a lot of people come to the altar and they just want to be dusted off. A lot of people come to the altar and get that good feel. You know what? There's a good feeling that comes when you repent. There's a good feeling that comes when you come to the house of God and you just lay it all out there in the line. You don't care who's watching. You don't care who's paying attention, but you touch God. There's a, there's a good feeling there. But I think God wants us to have more than just a good feeling. As I look at this word bought, I look at Exodus, the 26th chapter, and the first verse, God begins to share with Moses the ability to provide a tabernacle that he will come down and he will connect with them. And as they go into the details of the divine tabernacle, we know that some of the embroidery, some of the purple, some of the, some of the thread came from Asia, some of it came from China, and some of it came from Egypt. God takes material from the four corners of the earth and he tells him how to build this tabernacle. And on the outside, the tabernacle is badger skins and beaver pelts. But on the inside, it's this beautiful em embroidery, this, this silk, these beautiful royal purple colors. And God tells Moses to take a vat and connect the inner curtain to the outer curtain. And it's kind of like the outer curtain represents our flesh. The inner curtain represents the things of God. And so God wants to take the things that he has for us and he wants to connect them to us so that what we see on the outside, we also see on the inside. Am I talking to anybody in the place this morning? Is this not cool how God 4,000 years ago designed the ability for God and man, even though he said your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. But when Jesus went to Calvary, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the thoughts that God has, now we can have those thoughts. The ways that God have, we can have those ways because he has divinely connected us through the power of worship. Somebody give me an amen. Through the power of worship. From, from Aaron, who was the first high priest, to Caiaphas, which was the last high priest, only 47 men, period. In that 4,000 year window, only 47 men ever went beyond the veil, stepped in the Holy of Holies, saw the Shekinah glory, felt the power of God, saw the angels worshiping on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. Only 47. But when Jesus went to Calvary and said, it is finished, there was an earthquake and God ripped the veil from the top to the bottom and he removed that wall of separation. Now what you and I can do any time of the day, any day of the week, any week of the year, as priests we can go beyond the veil, step in God's presence, see his glory, feel his anointing, and know his purpose in our life. How powerful is that? There is, a, there is another bot that I want to bring to your attention. The guys might actually begin be able to pull this up. You know what? Let me stick this. Let me skip this bot, if I may, until next week. Can I do that? Because it, it can it concern your destiny, your purpose, your plan, your direction, your preparation. So let's fast forward. Ready? Okay. Fast forwarded to Judges. I just like fast forward anything. Where do you see my rewind? Thank you, Pastor Rhonda. I knew somebody would appreciate that. 
if you will, if if you'll trust me, Connie, that this story really is in the Bible. Through a series of divine appoint, appointments, God has raised up judges to judge the nation Israel. And all these judges in the lineage of all men, there's a woman. Her name is Deborah. And the Bible said Deborah would sit by a palm tree and everybody would come to her for wisdom. Israel was under attack. The general of that, that, the general of that generation was Barak. Barak went to Deborah as the judge and said, will God give us the victory? Will God go with us? Deborah said, God will give you the victory. God will go with us. And he said, I'm not going to go unless you go with us. This woman was a judge. This woman had the power of God in her life. And this general said, I'm not going to battle without you. I'm not going to battle without you. Deborah looked at him and said, I will go. And we will have a great victory. But you will not receive the credit for the victory. But God will give a woman credit for this victory. How crazy is that? So they go to war. And they're going to war against a, a general by the name of Caesarea. Caesarea had figured out some way to build a chariot. And the warriors would get on the chariot. And the people of Israel did not know how to combat the chariot. They had never fought with men that were falling, riding horses. And the chariots would come and would slay them. And all these chariots were, were devastating. And the people of God did not know how to deal with that. So they prayed. Key. So they prayed. We don't know what to do, where to go, how to do it. So they prayed. They turned everything over to God. And all of a sudden, in the, in the, in the thirsty season of the, of the year, God allows it to rain. And, Jerry, it rained and it rained and it rained that the chariots got stuck in the mud and they were sitting ducks and the people of God took their swords and took their spears and took their arrows and killed every single one of them but one. Every single one of them but the leader. The leader ran to get away. They're looking for him. There's this woman by the name of J-L, J-A-E-L. The, the, the L means God, the J means woman, woman of God. This woman sees Caesarea running from, the, from, from her people, and she says, hey, come, come here, come here, come, come into my house. You'll be, you'll be safe here. Come into my house. And so he goes to her house, and he says, bring, bring, me, a, bring, me, bring me something to drink. I'm thirsty. She opens a, a, a can of milk. And she serves him milk, and she blesses him, and she covers him with the mantle. And she says, just take rest, you're safe here. Just lay down and rest. So this guy falls asleep, and J.L. takes a tent stake and drives it through his head, nailing him to the ground. The people of God come looking for, for this, this enemy, and J.L. said, come. Let me show you what, what, where the enemy is, where our enemy is. And as they go in her tent, he's nailed to the floor with a tent stake. Crazy thing, if you go to the Hebrew and look up stake, the word is vat. The word is vat. That same divine connection that God gave us in the beginning, God gave us with the, with the, with the Ark of the Covenant, God gave this woman the ability to take a vat and destroy her enemy. Let me conclude with this, and this will be my only conclusion and I've taken four minutes more than I asked for, so I will move quickly. Colossians 2 and 14, guys, if you'll pull that up. 
Here's what the Word of God says about Colossians 2 and 14. That Christ took upon him all the sins of mankind, nailing our trespasses to a tree. That word is vought. The word nailed there is vought. Man took vought and nailed God to a tree. The tree represents, obviously, our humanity. We're the trees of God's planting. The trees of the field shall clap their hands. But because of the blood of Jesus, because of his love for us, a vought was taken and nailed to a cross. His hands were nailed. His feet were nailed, as far as we know, three nails, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost. I'm pleased to tell you today he didn't stay on that cross. He's not on the cross. He's alive and well, and he ever liveth at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. Does any of that make sense? Thank God for the vot. Thank God for that tent stake. But the most important thing I've got to leave with you today is that, and I, and I wish I had time to find it, but I didn't. There's a, there's, a, there's a piece of art where you see the hand of God and you see the hand of man and they touch right there. That's the divine connection that God wants you to have. Here's God. Here's us. He wants us to hook up. He wants us to hook together. And in that stability of hooking up, that's called a divine connection. And God's going to bring connection to you. It may not necessarily be a big deal. It might be something so simple as a tent stake, but God's going to take that divine connection and turn your world around, turn your life around, and let you start perceiving things in all the right other way. Because that's what the Lord wants to do. Go ahead. Give we thank you for our testimonies, our songs. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this moment. us, and it's not because of who we are, it's not because of what we've done, it's because of who we belong to. We belong to the Lord, He fights for us, He speaks over us, He prophesies over us, He is our Lord, He is our God, and we love Him. Let's all pray. Lord, dear Lord, I just thank God for this day, tonight. Um, we don't usually go to 1220, but you've got an offering for us, Lord, and we're going to give you a chance to sow into the kingdom. Uh, next week, we might talk about the divine connection of tithing. God bless us, give us. Uh, Al, I'll share this. I'll share this with you. This is Brother Chris Gray. Now, the reason I said this, I was talking to Jim Sunday night. I realized I forgot one thing. And I said, uh, even if it's something in the offering, it's hurt your pocket. Even if it's a 